it uh, weirds me out a little bit if I get in my head and start thinking about what we're singing. Like, I don't know if you were, I don't know how much you think about the words that we sing. Sometimes we just sing together and that's good that we're worshiping together, right? Uh, But like I said, sometimes I get in my head. And so we're singing about blood and I started thinking how morbid that is, right? It's kind of gross if you stop to think about how um, we are singing this beautiful song about blood and we sing songs about being covered in the blood of jesus which again is gross to me um and and yet it's important and i wonder like why why do we do that like why why is that okay to us and i think it's because we can relate to that there's something in all of us whether we're jesus people or not jesus people where we can relate to the loss of life that makes sense to us we've we live in a world where where people die, and we're used to pain. Uh, I'm listening right now. I really like audiobooks. I'm listening to uh, George W. Bush's uh, Decision Points, the memoir that he wrote after he left office. And uh, I was riding to work this week, dropped the kids off at school. I was riding to work, and I listened to the chapter where he's talking about, from his perspective, 9-11. And it was this really emotional car ride for me. Like I remember being back in 10th grade and, and experiencing that and to hear what he was experiencing. And you're laughing because I said 10th grade, right? <laughs> but but I, remember, I remember where I was and we remember that, right? Because it, it was a pivotal moment in our nation's history. Um, and all of us, when we hear 9-11, we can identify some level of, of sorrow there. Even though I didn't know anyone in any of the buildings that were... Um, that were attacked or the planes that went down. Um, but I can relate to that because we experienced that together. It was a common human experience. And we can, we can relate to pain, to suffering, because it's, it's a part of, as long as we've been alive, it's been a part of being human. And it wasn't always God's design that way, right? Like in the garden, he designed us to have a relationship with him forever that was uninterrupted. But because of sin, we... We had to die. And it wasn't just because God hates us and God was so mad at us because of what we did. But when we sinned, when Adam and Eve sinned, it messed up God's order of things. And our bodies were no longer the way that he had designed them to be. And the world was no longer as he designed it to be, which was perfect. And so if he allowed us to live forever, we would live forever in corrupted bodies and in a corrupted world. And God loves us too much to leave us in that. And so we have to, to die to this stuff so that we can be in the perfect bodies that he has for us. It's because he loves us, not because he's mad at us, not because he hates us. And so when we sing about blood, we can relate to that because we understand suffering is a natural part of life. My wife isn't here this morning. She's pregnant, and uh, she is in week nine. And so we're holding out hope that... Um, at the end of the first trimester, she'll no longer be sick, uh, but she's kind of shuffling every day. Uh, she'll be up for three to four hours and shuffles eventually to the couch, and she lays there, and then she'll shuffle back to <laughs> bed. Last night, she went to bed about nine, uh, a little bit before nine, um, and uh, so she was satisfied that she had stayed up that, that late last night. Um, but it's rough, right? But we know at the end of this that a baby is coming, and babies are good things. And there's some suffering that comes with babies too, right? Like we've done this before. But, but there's a good thing that's coming, and we know that. 
And so suffering, suffering is worth it. Like we're willing to suffer if, if we know that there's something good that is coming. And if we know that there's a purpose in it. And so as Moses is writing, um, he addresses suffering in a little bit different way. Um, this is before Jesus came to earth and before they really understood the Messiah and, and God's relationship with his people was a little bit different than, and the way that he related to them was a little bit different than the way that he relates to us today because of Jesus. But he still has some things to say that I think can help us um, as we work through this life and, and move forward. And as we wrap up this idea, Adam several weeks ago started talking about suffering. And so the last few weeks I've kind of taken that and, and moved toward, okay, what do we do with our suffering, right? Like we don't want to waste that. And so we talked about holding on when we're suffering. We want to hold on to what, what is true. We want to look outside of ourselves. So look to others, not be self-centered, but look to others and look to God um, when we're in that. When we're telling our stories, we want to tell what happened, give glory to God, and then not explain things. Like we don't have to explain uh, and and make up for for things that we think might confuse people. Like if people have questions, God can deal with that. Like it's His story, right? We don't have to answer for Him. He's big enough to answer for Himself. And so, in that that vein of of enduring suffering, and of telling our stories, I want us to move into Psalm ninety this morning. And again, this is Moses. Ten Commandments, Moses. That's the same guy, okay? And he's writing here, and starting in verse 1 of Psalm 90, he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. So he's saying, God, like you've been, you've been our safe place from the beginning, and that you've always existed before anything else existed and after everything else ceases to exist, you will always exist. Verse 3 says, You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men, for a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by or as a watch in the night. You've swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they're like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. So God exists from everlasting to everlasting, and man exists like a blade of grass. We're here in the morning and gone by evening. There's a contrast there. He says, For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You've placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow, for soon it is gone and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? Pause for a second. So Moses is being honest with God here. He's saying, God, look, we've experienced your anger. We've experienced the punishment of our sins. You remember uh, God had given Moses the Ten Commandments. In fact, he's up on the mountain getting the Ten Commandments. And before he could even come down with them, the people have already built this golden calf that they're worshiping in the place of worshiping God, the one true God that they had known and that they had worshiped before, that had saved them from Egypt and the Red Sea. 
And so they experienced God's anger because he said, this is what's going to happen. If you, if you follow me, you get blessing. And if you stray from me, then you get cursing. And so they experienced that. And Moses says, we've worked and, and we spend our lives. And the best life for us, it, it, at the end of it, all we have to show for it is just working. Like, that's it. This is just the work of our hands. Like, that's all that we have to show for our life. And Moses isn't saying this to say, God, this isn't fair or I'm angry at you. He's saying this to say, we really are nothing apart from God. We really have nothing. There's nothing in our life to show for any purpose or or to, to have any meaning apart from God. Because all of us live the same life. We're born, and we, we go to school, and then eventually we get a job, right? Usually we get a job at some point, and we start working, and, and we maybe have a family or we don't have a family, and then we die. Like, that's what happens. That Everybody kind of lives that same life. And there are variations of that. There are different pictures of that. Some people work harder. Some people work less. Some people make more money. Some people make less. Some people get married more times. Some people get married none. Some people have a lot of kids. Some people have none. Those things may vary, but the, the way that our life goes is pretty much the same. And so Moses says this in verse 12, one of the most, I think, beautiful prayers that we see in Scripture. And one that I would encourage you to commit to memory. Psalm ninety twelve says, So teach us to number our days, that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. God, don't let at the end of all of this, all of this being born and living and dying, at the end of all this, don't just let the work of our hands be all that we have to show for it. Help us to to have gained some wisdom in this. Verse 13 says, Do return, O Lord, how long will it be? And be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. This word loving kindness is one of my favorite words in in all of of Scripture. It's this word that there's not really an English word for it. That's why they took loving and they took kindness and they smashed them together. And yours may may say something about uh, God's tender mercies um, or, or some other word like that. There's just no English word that really explains it. But basically, the picture is, is this covenantal loyalty that is based in relationship. So it's not a contract. It's not that God says, hey, I want you, and you sign on the dotted line in your mind, which is sometimes maybe how we view salvation. But instead, it is, it is God saying, I want you because I love you. And because, because I want to know you, and I want you to know me, and I want us to relate to one another in an intimate way. And so Moses says, satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, with your, your intimate relationship with us, your commitment to us, your loyalty toward us, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Moses doesn't resent God for for the bad days that came earlier, right? For the difficult days that came. For perhaps the consequences of sin that he experienced before. He's not angry at God for that. He he recognizes that's a part of life. 
But he welcomes God to come back and to bring the good stuff back, right? He wants to see, he says, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil or trouble. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. and We thank you for Moses and his testimony of following you. And Father, we thank you for the wisdom that you give us through the experiences that we live. God, we thank you that our lives aren't a waste, and we thank you that you give us purpose. And I pray this morning as we study your word, that each of us would be reminded that we have but one life to live, and that you give us purpose as we follow after you. In Christ's most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. And so quickly this morning, I want us to just see a few things as, as we wrap up this series of looking at suffering and what's the purpose of suffering and what do we do with our suffering. I want us to talk through from Moses' perspective and get some wisdom from Moses who had lived a long time and experienced a lot of things. Moses lived about 120 years, Scripture tells us. And when he died, he didn't die because his body wore out. He died because they were about to enter the promised land. And God had told Moses to do a certain thing, and Moses disobeyed. And God said, Moses, because you've done this, you can't go into the promised land. And so he let him go up on a hill. And Moses was actually able to see the promised land, but he wasn't able to enter it with his people. And Moses died, being full of energy, um, because of the decisions that he had made. I want us to see three things from Moses' perspective here. The first thing was there at the very beginning. Lord, you've been our dwelling place. You've been our safe place. You've been our hiding place. You've been our place of refuge. Right, a few weeks ago, we looked at Psalm 46, where, where the psalmist says, God, you are my refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Moses is saying basically the same thing there, that God, even, even when I bring trouble on myself, even when I make decisions that I know are contrary to what God wants for me or contrary to His plan for me, that God is still a safe place for me to come back running to. I want to say to you this morning, like, no matter what you've done and no matter what you've been through and no matter where you're headed, that God is with you. Right, this safe place isn't just a place that we run to, but it's a person that we're with. I want to say that again. The safe place of God is not just a, a place that we run to, but it's a person that we're with, and it's a person that is with us. In the Old Testament, they had a temple, and the presence of God was manifest there in the Holy of Holies of the temple. And only one person, one day a year, could go into that place and be in the presence of God. But when Jesus came... And when Jesus lived his perfect life, and when he died, the Bible tells us that the curtain in the temple that separated the Holy of Holies from the other parts of the temple, that the curtain was ripped in half when Jesus died. And it was a symbolic picture of what Jesus had done for us, that Jesus ripped the curtain in half, and no longer do we have one person one day a year who can go in after they wash themselves and wear these special clothes and, and do these special things. They can go in for, for one moment of the year to be with God. But all of us have access to the Holy God forever through the blood of Jesus that we sang about earlier. 
And so God is our safe place. Not a safe place that we run to, but a safe person who is always with us. That means no matter what trouble comes to us or no matter what trouble we go into, God is always with us. There's nowhere we can go that God's not with us. And that means when we're suffering and we're going through difficult things, that we don't have to cry out and ask God to come save us. God is there with us in the midst of that. He's carrying us in that suffering, in that difficult time. Even if you brought it on yourself, He's still with you. He doesn't leave you just because you don't follow His plan. He does allow us to experience the consequences of our decisions oftentimes. But He's there with us in that. So God is with us. And just because we've, we've done this series, talking about suffering and talking about like what is the purpose of all this and sharing our stories, and we talked last week really about how to do that, I, I don't want us to miss the point of, of, of verses 3 all the way down to 11. Where Moses is just talking about life. Like, life is going to happen. Just because now we know that God is always with us, just because we know that suffering is inevitable, doesn't mean that when suffering comes that you're not going to be surprised. It doesn't mean that it's not going to be difficult for you. Like, when my wife took a, a pregnancy test several weeks ago, and because of the way life works sometimes, some of them were positive and some of them were negative, and it took us two weeks and multiple doctors to find out if she was actually pregnant. In 2019, sounds crazy. Like they should just be able to tell us, like she's pregnant, right? Um, but but through through all of of that stuff, um, I lost my train of thought. Um, <laughs> but 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 things happen, and life happens, and it doesn't always make sense. Um, Which brings me to verse 12 again. So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. And it's connected in a way to, to verse 17, which is the last, last verse of, of Psalm 90, where he says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm us for the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. And that, that picture there the language that Moses is using is this idea of setting it in stone. Set in stone the work of our hands. Except here, Moses isn't using a word to talk about literally the working of our hands, like what we build. But rather the, the mission of our life and the good things, the God-glorifying things in our life. The things that matter, the things that last beyond this world. In the 1990s, there was a research study done to try and figure out why soldiers coming back from the Vietnam War had post-traumatic stress disorder to such a larger degree than soldiers after World War II. And, and a lot of people had theories about it, and they had talked about it, but they weren't exactly sure. Um, th th there didn't seem to be one thing that kind of made that true. And so as they did research, they started to realize that one of the big changes in the Vietnam War and World War II is that in World War II, in order to get 
to where they were going to fight, they would get on these aircraft carriers and they would ride for weeks and months at a time. And they'd sit at tables and they'd play cards together. And then they'd go and they'd fight and they'd get back on those ships and they'd play cards together for hours a day, right, on the ship. And as they would play cards together, they would be talking and they would share stories about their life. And so on the way there, they're telling stories about their life. And on the way back, they're telling about stories of things that happened. But in the Vietnam War, the way that most soldiers were, were taken were in these big planes. And so instead of it taking weeks or months for them to get to where they're going, it would take them days or maybe a week or so to eventually get to where they're going after they change planes. And what they realized was that just through talking through their stories and through telling their stories over and over and over and over again, that they were able to work through the traumatic events that they'd experienced. By sitting across the table from someone who could relate, they didn't maybe have the same exact experience they had, but, but they could relate from a human perspective and they had a similar experience. That they were able to work through a lot of that emotional trauma. It wasn't because they were a weaker generation. It wasn't because they weren't as strong as, as those who fought in World War II. It was because in Vietnam, they didn't have the opportunity to really talk through their stories. And when they got back, no one wanted to hear their stories. There was so much turmoil in the country, and, and, and the, the, the war had become so politicized that, that people didn't feel safe sharing their stories and talking about the suffering they'd experienced there. Whereas in World War II, everyone wanted to hear their stories. They saw them as heroes. And so even when they returned, they were able to continue talking through their stories. So what does that have to do with us today? All of us, I've said this for the last three weeks, but all of us have suffering. All of us have had difficult things. And every single person you will ever meet has similar stories to you. They're not the same. Some of them, maybe they're not as difficult as the story that you've lived. But they've had pain and they've had suffering. And they can relate to your story and you can relate to theirs. And I think one of the greatest ways that we can, conf- that, that, that God confirms the work of our hands, that he, can, that he continues our legacy of our life, and that he makes our life count, is through our stories and through sharing our stories. And again, not giving excuses or, or making up explanations for why God did or didn't do things in your life, but just telling the story of your life and your experience. And so you're, you're, I have this happen all the time, working in a coffee shop. And I have people come in. I had someone this week who, who came in and, and her granddaughter, who's my sister's age, um, was addicted to drugs. She overdosed and passed away. And she was struggling because... In her Catholic faith, she believed that she would go to hell. And so we're able to talk through that. And she was, she was asking me some, she knows the situation with my sister and, and her drug addiction. And so, so she was asking me, she's like, how do, you, how do you handle this? Like, how do you walk every day and continue to, to live your life knowing that this could happen to her? And we were able to talk through that, and, and I don't have some big answer. I don't have some big, like, superhero thing that I do. I just struggle through. And I'm a pastor, and she knows that. 
And she said, so you're just like the rest of us. That's what she said to me. She said, you're just like the rest of us. And I was like, yeah, Miss Jean, I'm just like the rest of us. I'm the rest of us. Like, I am us. Like, I'm part of you. We all have the same human experience. We all suffer. But we all also have hope and can have hope in Jesus. And that's the difference. And so we've been praying over the last few weeks. I challenge you to, to pray for a person in your life who was suffering or who had been suffering, who had been carrying something that was, that was difficult in their life. And I want to challenge you this week to share part of your story with them. And maybe you can't relate with them exactly where they are, but you've got a similar experience. It's funny, with my wife having uh, morning sickness the way she does, that, that when she, she was able to come out, uh, before it got so bad this week, is that she would tell someone she was pregnant and she's, you know, a little nauseous. And every single time, every single person would say, oh, my wife was that way or my sister was that way or I was pregnant and it wasn't really that bad, but this is what was bad. Like she didn't have to ask them. They just volunteered their story as if nauseous pregnant Paige wants to hear everyone's horror stories of their pregnancies or of their friend's pregnancies. But you know what? They gave her hope. Like, this, is, this isn't as bad as it could be. It could be worse. But also, I'll, I'll survive this. And so I want to challenge you not to try and Jesus up your story. I don't want you to add lots of big theological terms like loving kindness or the Hebrew word hesed, which is where that word comes from. I just want you to tell your story of what God did in your life and then see what God does. And maybe God gives you the opportunity to lead them to pray and follow Christ for the first time. Or maybe it just gives them hope to live for another day. I want to challenge you to share your story this week with that person you've been praying for. Because this is what I believe. As you've been praying, God's been working on that person's heart. And maybe they don't even know the, the thing that you're going to share. Maybe they do, but they've never heard it from the way that you're going to share it. But regardless, I believe God is going to meet them where they are and give them hope in a way that you don't even understand. Moses prayed, So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands. If we're faithful to share our stories of suffering, how God brought us through, not only will it provide healing for us like it did those soldiers in World War II, but it also can provide healing for others, which can provide healing for others and healing for others and continue. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. We thank you for the enduring work of Jesus in our lives. We thank you for the hope that we have. We thank you for the safe place that we have in you. That no matter where we go and no matter what we encounter, no matter what decisions we make, that, God, there's not a safe place we run to, but there's a safe person who is with us in all of that. And, God, we thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. And we live in a world full of people who are hurting. Fathers, we think this morning of, of those in New Zealand, or in that, that awful tragedy that happened this week. I can't imagine the fear, the terror in the hearts of those people this morning. But Father, we know that you know. 
And I pray, God, that we would be people who would walk into those situations, into the difficult situations of the people who are in our lives. And that we would be willing to share our stories of how you brought us through. God, that we wouldn't be consumed with having an answer to every theological question that everybody has because we, we don't have all the answers. But God, we can tell our stories. And we know through history and we know through your word that there's healing in sharing our stories. There's healing for us and there's healing for others. That's all I pray that you would give us boldness. God, that you would make our lives count by, by allowing us to be a part of the healing process for others. God, we thank you for the difficult things in our life that enable us to provide hope to other people. And so this week, as we share our stories, may you do just that. In Christ's most holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing.